if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. And a good morning to you. It is seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Friday, the fourth morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord 2020. Thank you for joining us on AM 1420. The answer. Obviously, a very grim time right now in the city of Cleveland, at least for anybody with a sense of decency and concern over police officers. I know that does not encompass all. Uh, I'm very sad to say. But it's the reality. It's the reality that in an age in which people are protected and in sometimes in some cases celebrated for chanting death to cops and chanting pigs in a blanket for I'm like bacon. What do we want, dead cops? When do we want them now? In an age in when the, in which this is celebrated and in which organizations which lead those chants are celebrated and hailed as civil rights heroes, I know that not everyone will mourn for James Gurnovich. I know very few people in this audience are among that crowd. Detective James Gurnovich killed uh, last night a 25-year veteran on the Cleveland Police Force, and nobody has any idea who it is, at least as of now. The FBI this morning... Uh, announcing a tip, uh, establishing a tip line and announcing a reward for information leading to the arrest and probable conviction of those responsible for shooting and killing James Skernovitz and one other. The Cleveland Division of the FBI, Cleveland Division of Police, and Crime Stoppers all looking for information. Detective Skernovitz was in his car at West 65th and Storer when his car was shot multiple times around 10 p.m. last night. The detective was taken to the hospital where he died. Again, another person in the car as well, not an officer, uh, was also killed in this uh, terrible, cowardly shooting. Cleveland Police Chief uh, Calvin Williams stating the obvious that Cleveland lost one of its finest in the line of duty. We still have an ongoing investigation looking for suspect or suspects in the case. He said, we need the public's help. Anyone that heard anything between 9.30 and 10 o'clock, anyone who saw anything, anyone who knows anything, call the homicide unit. The 24-7 tip line is 216-622-6842. Reward money is available. 
Uh, Detective Skernovitz, 25-year veteran, I can tell you just a little bit about him, and I can ask you to do something that we have heard time and time again from other individuals who care about certain lives but not others. Say his name. Say his name and say his name. Detective Skernovitz, I uh, reached out to a Cleveland police friend uh, of mine, uh, former uh, union president Steve Loomis, to ask him if he knew any of the details. And uh, I have a little bit, but I'm not going to talk about the specifics of what he and they were doing in their course of their duties last night at that moment, although it, I can just tell you very directly they were in the middle of an operation. This is a detective, and they were in the middle of a of a police operation, and I'll leave it at that for now. Uh, I will tell you that Detective Skernovitz was just recently sworn in by a federal task force, so he's working not only for Cleveland Police but with the federal government uh, in that effort. Uh, I can tell you that this is the way Steve describes him. First of all, he has a wife and two young adult children. Uh, he's 53 years of age. Um. And Steve describes him as a great guy and a ball buster with an infectious smirk. A great cop who practiced great tactics, was very experienced, and quite obviously did not deserve to be gunned down by Lord only knows who, for Lord only knows what reasons. Um, Quite obviously, anytime there's an officer-involved shooting, it takes a different tone because when criminals are emboldened enough to shoot at police officers it makes a community that much less safe if a police officer can be targeted in such a way then a regular citizen had better be on guard a regular ordinary civilian uh you cannot feel safe if they're willing to kill cops they're willing to kill anybody who is they i don't know i won't speculate I will simply make an observation, which kind of dovetails off of what I started with. We are living in an extraordinary time. We have a certain segment of our population, and that segment of population, it can be identified primarily by the D after their names. Um, A Democrat party that has made over the course of the last, at least the last three and a half months, since what happened in Minneapolis, Minnesota, took place with George Floyd. But really going back many, many years to the last Democratic president who declared pretty much a war on police from the moment he came into office, his first month in office, there was a break-in call at a home in Massachusetts, and uh, the homeowner was the guy breaking in. He didn't have his key. Neighbor called the police and said, I think somebody's trying to break into this guy's house. Remember this? Remember the professor, Professor Gates? And immediately, the hue and cry came that the police, racist police officers are hassling uh, a black man simply for trying to get into a really good, a really nice house. He must be breaking in. Police officers merely were Responded to do a radio call, a 911 call, because some neighbors were concerned that the man's house was being broken into. Everybody's motivations were good here except for Barack Obama's. 
in which he described the police as having acted stupidly for responding to a 911 call about a break-in. From that moment on, we knew what we were in for, and it has not let up since. Any officer-involved activity with a minority is condemned as being racist in nature. If a police officer pulls over a black driver for driving erratically, it was profiling. If a police officer has to use physical force to subdue a, 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 a minority suspect who is resisting arrest, that's exec, uh, excessive force. If a police officer, God forbid, has to pull out his firearm and defend himself and or p- the public from a grave threat, well, that, of course, is just simple uh, police uh, racism, trying to kill black people, kill minorities for the uh, sake of nothing but systemic white racism in America. Now, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You've been watching and listening to this. But the anti-police atmosphere in which we are living right now, in which members of one of the two dominant political parties in American government routinely call for the abolition of police departments, not just the defunding, some say defunding, and then others in that party say, what do you mean not just defunding, we want police gone. Get rid of police departments. We will reimagine public safety another way with social workers and all of that nonsense. But police officers got to go, this party says. Any police officer does anything involving minorities, which, by the way, is impossible to avoid given the extraordinary number of crimes committed And if you look at police, not police, but Department of Justice and Bureau of Justice Statistics databases, it's impossible for police to not have confrontations with minorities because of the extraordinarily outsized number, disproportionate number of violent crimes compared to the percentage of them in the general population. And any time a police officer has an encounter with a person of color, got to be careful to say that correctly, we found out, by the way, it is automatically assumed to be a reason to riot, automatically assumed to be a reason for protest, automatically assumed to be a reason to get those bad cops. We just saw it literally two nights ago. We just saw a police officer having to shoot and kill an armed suspect in Washington, D.C. An armed suspect who, who pulled or picked up the gun and raised it toward a police officer while running at him. The police officer shot Dion K. in the chest. Not in the back, as was reported by the BLM rioters that immediately descended upon the police precinct in Washington, D.C., demanding for the police department to be abolished. Screaming, say his name, say his name. Even armed suspects 
ignoring police orders, putting people in jeopardy, who are then shot. In the video, thank goodness they released the body cams to show him with his gun. But even that is a reason to riot outside the police precinct. Any action police take now makes them the bad guys, makes them the criminals, makes them the villains, and it emboldens those who are not either decent enough human beings or perhaps not mentally stable enough to understand that you can't just go out and start shooting at cops. And so they do. Now, again, I don't know who shot up the car of of Detective Skernovitz. And I don't know what the motive was. I do know that this is getting to be more and more routine. I do know that just three days ago, the FBI confirmed that they warned Chicago police of a new policy among gang members in Chicago. Different gangs, rival gangs, establishing a pact, uniting with one another to agree to shoot police officers on sight any time a police officer's weapon is drawn. If a police officer is doing his job and in the course of doing so needs to control a situation by drawing his gun, he's going to be shot by Chicago gang members. No questions asked. It's open season on cops. Another officer was killed. We talked about him. We said his name on Monday's show and Tuesday's show in St. Louis. This is happening far too often. So again, I say to you, I don't know who shot Detective James Skernovitz and the other who was killed in the police car with him. And I don't know what their motive was. But I do know that the climate of fear in this country right now is real, and it's being fomented by liars and radicals within the Democrat Party operating through radical anarchists in BLM and Antifa. And the number one target that they have set is police officers. It's a very difficult thing to talk about today. We will continue to discuss this. Although I will tell you, we, we're going to have three conversations about it with three great guests uh, this morning. Coming up in uh, just about uh, 15 minutes, we're going to talk to Pastor Mark Little of Black Voices for Trump. These were pre- pre-scheduled interviews. Uh, but we will talk about these this terrible shooting in Cleveland as well. Uh, at 1010 Gary Wolski, this one is certainly appropriate. We had this pre-scheduled to talk about Chardon and the uh, superintendent of Chardon banning the thin blue line flag because it can be seen as being a police flag that is racist. Gary Wolski is going to talk about that as well as the shooting of Officer Skarnovitz. Then at 1035, John Perazzo, who wrote a 34-page expose on what BLM really is, Marxist hate dressed as racial justice. All of that coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, it's 
It's 926. Coming up in uh, about 10, we're going to talk with Mark Little, Pastor Mark Little, who is with Black Voices for Trump. Uh, going to talk to him about the uh, presidential election coming up. Going to talk about the role that the minority vote will play in this whole thing and talk about why he and other African Americans do support the president. Uh, and yes, I will talk to him about this shooting of a Cleveland police officer. Because while we don't know what happened, uh, we do know what is happening across this country with police officers being targeted because they have been accused of systemic racism. Um, I've got one piece of updated news. Fox 8 in Cleveland is reporting, as of less than 30 minutes ago, one arrest has been made in the shooting of James Skernovitz, the 25-year detective, uh, last night around 10 p.m. Uh, in Cleveland. The Fox 8i team has confirmed, this is right from Fox 8's website, through multiple law enforcement sources, that several suspects are being questioned and at least one has been arrested in the shooting of James Skernovitz. The Fox 8i team confirms a Cleveland officer's car was shot multiple times at West 65th and Store around 10 p.m. last night. Detective Skernovitz, 53 years old, 25-year veteran, leaves behind a wife and two young adult children. He was killed, as was one other person who has not been identified um, in this case yet. The other person was not a suspect in the case. EMS tells Fox 8 it was a 50-year-old man who was with uh, Skernovitz who uh, was killed as well. Um, Chief Calvin Williams has said this officer was just out doing what police officers do, trying to protect the people of this city. And he gave his life. Uh, so one arrest has been made. So that's just a little bit of an update to the story. And that is good news to have that happen that fast. For those who know anything about this type of thing, uh, the first 24 hours are extraordinarily important. The first 48 hours as well in terms of finding suspects and getting cases like this uh, solved. So that is good news that just uh, less than 12 hours, really, since the case they do have or since the uh, incident, they do have an arrest that has been made. So, you know, and again, I want to be very clear. I've said this uh, in some depth in the last segment about, you know, what's going on in this country. I don't know who did this. I don't know why they did this. I don't know what the race of the people who did this is, and I don't know what their motivation, but let's just look at it. Cops have targets on their backs like never before. Cops have targets on their back, and that has been uh, fomented by liberal Democrats who are calling for an end to police. If we can't defund them, if we can't abolish them, then let's get rid of them any other way we can. And this seems to be the mindset of so many. I'm not saying that liberal Democrats are saying, let's go shoot cops. But they really have, with their language and with their anti-police attitude and with their accusations that cops are indeed racists systemically, despite the fact that there are on average 375 million police interactions with civilians each and every year. And less than 20 involve situations where a police officer is shooting an African-American who is deemed to be unarmed. And even the majority of those don't mean they stayed unarmed. They were trying to take an officer's gun and assaulting them at the time that they got shot. 375 million interactions with civilians, and they focus on a couple every year that they deem to be questionable. They being liberal Democrats trying to paint cops as the problem. 
And because of this, cops are being targeted and shot in every, not in every, in many, many major American cities. So, no, we don't know. But by goodness, it's we are not going to ignore the obvious. Cops are being targeted in Cleveland and around the country. And we'll leave it at that for now. It's 9.30. We'll get our newscast. Pastor Mark Little will join us next. AM 1420, The Answer. Attention, social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Yeah, definitely not the place to go if you uh, don't want to be every little delicate delicate ears offended, especially on a day like today. Cleveland police officer shot last night, 10 o'clock, killed Detective James Skernovitz. I uh, told you last segment, uh, the good news, at least at this point, is one arrest has already been made before 12 hours have elapsed since the shooting. Several suspects are being questioned, we are told. Uh, this confirmed by Fox 8 News through multiple law enforcement agencies and sources who say that uh, several suspects are being questioned. One has been arrested in the death of James Kernovitz, and we will give you the uh, latest on that as we find it. I want to get back to uh, the matters of politics now, and this actually does kind of cross over from what we are talking about, as, again, police have targets on their back. They are accused of being systemically racist. They are accused of police brutality and targeting people of color, particularly black men who are unarmed. We know the story, and this has put targets on their backs. Uh, joining us now to discuss the role of race in America and the role that race will play in the upcoming presidential election is Pastor Mark Little. He is a chair of uh, an organization called Cure, which I love, by the way, uh, because of uh, because of what it stands for. Cure is the Center for Urban Renewal and Education. Uh, and yes, we do need a cure in certain segments of our urban population. We do need education. And Mark Chair is also with Black Voices for Trump. Pastor Little, thank you so much for coming on the program. How are you, sir? Good morning, my friend. It's so good to be with you and with the people of Cleveland, Ken and Akron. It is good to have you here. Um, as we as we get into what you are doing to help support President Trump uh, and uh, and what President Trump has done to help support the black community in this country and what a role that will play in the election, um, can you give me just an overview, Pastor Little, of what you are seeing and hearing from uh, those that are responsible, in my view, and I think anybody who's got eyes and can watch the videos of all of these urban centers burning on a nightly basis, violent acts being carried out, uh, smashing and looting and assaulting and so on and so forth. Um, the, the reason for all of this, we are told, is that this is just a systemically racist country. It's irredeemable. It's got to be torn down and built back up from a different principle than capitalism uh, and liberty, uh, because with liberty comes uh, this oppression of the black community by white America and in particularly by white police. Your impression of all of that and how it's manifested itself in this violence, Pastor? Well, we have uh, what we call cultural Marxism. It's the Democrats' playbook uh, to divide us. It's uh, identity politics at its finest. It's the only way they can win. Uh, when you have people like Doc Rivers crying on air uh, about uh, how America doesn't love blacks, it is this the biggest uh, uh, pile of hogwash that you ever want to see. And it's very sad. And you talked about uh, police falling. And, and, you know, all of that, if you go back a little bit, uh, you remember pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. 
uh, Black Lives Matter, a Marxist-led movement, uh, really uh, 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 just lying to the American people about race in America. Uh, and the reality is, is that this is not a racist country. There are racists in this country, and half of the people who are now complaining uh, about it are multi-millionaires. It is one of the most unbelievable things uh, that we've ever seen. But here's the good news. Blacks in particular are not buying it. Uh, we've seen polls recently that show blacks now supporting Trump uh, uh, in excess of 20 percent. Uh, and if he just gets 15 percent, the Democrat Party uh, is over. Uh, I'm glad to stand with President Trump, uh, who is standing against Marxists, who's standing against anarchists, who's standing with rioters, looters, and people who are intent on burning the American flag. Uh, these folks uh, are making our communities uh, um, less safe. Uh, this whole defund the police movement uh, is, uh, is really targeting uh, those who are most vulnerable among us, uh, and it is a sad state of affairs. But President Trump uh, is standing up against these folks, and I think uh, that the polls show uh, that we are not being fooled, and I'm really happy about that. We're talking with Pastor Mark Little of Black Voices for Trump. Uh, he's also, again, as I noted, the chair of Cure. Um, President Trump is being painted by people, many of them African-American, but not all, but people like April Ryan on CNN and Don Lemon on CNN say this. Joy Reid says this on MSNBC. But then again, so does Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski. So it's kind of uh, all colors of leftists. They're painting President Trump as being responsible for the violence that's going on in all of these Democrat-run cities. They say that he is fanning the flames. Joe Biden says that if he were president, this violence wouldn't be going on right now. Uh, but it's Donald Trump that, is, that has created all of this. Uh, Ted Wheeler, the mayor out in Portland, has said the same thing, that this is all Donald Trump's fault. This is Trump's America because he is trying to start a race war. My question to you, Pastor Little, is... What what kind of a job would somebody be doing to start a race war by giving uh, unprecedented historic amounts of money to historically uh, black uh, colleges and universities? Uh, a president who has created opportunity zones, a president who is responsible for raising uh, wages for African-Americans, a president that has created conditions that have allowed African-Americans to enjoy the lowest unemployment rate in the history of this country since stats have been kept. How is he trying to start a race war by doing, doing all of these positive things for the black community? Well, if he is trying to start one, he's doing a horrible job at it, I tell you, uh, because we, we know that President Trump is not a racist. Uh, given the things that you've just said. But, you know, it goes back to the question of uh, systemic racism. Uh, if there's systemic racism, it's, uh, it's amazing that it's happening under the watch of Democrats and many of them black. So if there's systemic racism, then why aren't they just fixing it? Obviously, uh, President Trump is not uh, doing as they've said. That's all they've got. Uh, they've sat by and they watched their cities burn uh, uh, while President Trump has stood at the ready to come in and help these folks under our system of federalism. Uh, he was unable to just go in and fix it. But as he did in Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, when they asked for help, he was there uh, to support it and look at what happened, uh, at what has happened as of today. Uh, he's brought in money uh, to police departments. He's brought in money uh, to the businesses that have been burned down there. Uh, this president is standing with these communities, and as you've said, uh, let's not forget about the First Step Act. Thank you. Ninety-one uh, percent of the folks who came out of, of prison because of the prison reform that President Trump signed into law, unprecedented 
uh, 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 law. It was unbelievable. 91% of them were African-American and black. Uh, women and men are back at the family tables now being mothers and fathers and sons and daughters again. Uh, it's just an un- unbelievable, and, and by the way, uh, it is unprecedented. When I prayed for the president and I sat around the table in the cabinet room, I said that President Trump is the best president for black people since Abraham Lincoln. And it is true. As you look at his accomplishments and what he's done for our community, uh, it has been uh, uh, unprecedented, it has been targeted, and it has lifted the, 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 the opportunities in our community like never before. Uh, prison reform, what you said with HBCUs, uh, it's unbelievable. 250,000 students, most of them black, benefited uh, from what the president did for historically black colleges and universities. And he is not finished. Uh, the, the record low unemployment, we're going to rebuild the economy that uh, the pandemic took away. Uh, and who better to do that than the guy that did it the first time? So thank you for what you said about all of his accomplishment. All of those things are true, and the statistics speak for themselves. Uh, and Joe Biden and Barack Obama's record speaks for itself. And I'd love for the American people to continue to compare the two as they are now doing. As the well, I want to—I do want to talk about Biden and his terms, uh, terms, two terms with President Obama in a second. But um, thank you, by the way, for remembering the First Step Act. I, I kind of glossed over the criminal justice reform when I was listing those accomplishments. By the way, the president himself has been heard many times to say that he's the best president since Abraham Lincoln. So I'm wondering, did he get that line from you, or did you take it from him? Well, I, I have to say, I didn't take it for him, so that let that speak for itself. But I don't know if he said that. <laughs> I don't know if he said that beforehand or not. But I have to tell you, uh, it really it resonated with me in that moment. It was absolutely uh, true. Uh, you know, pri- prior presidents, you you want to talk about Lyndon Baines Johnson and the Civil Rights Acts, and people always bring that up, but they fail to ever mention that that those acts could not have been passed but for Republican votes in the House and in the Senate. Uh, Republicans got that civil, those Civil Rights Acts passed, not Lyndon Baines Johnson, who, as we all know, was notoriously racist uh, at the time. So that was all about power, and that's what the Democrats uh, are doing to this day. Uh, these, these agendas and these, uh, the rhetoric and the narratives that they are promoting really seek to divide us. They cannot win but for identity politics but for making black folks fear, uh, afraid of, of, of this boogeyman that doesn't exist. Uh, it's the playbook. Uh, they've, they've been racist. They're the party of segregation. They're the party of slavery. Uh, we all know that if we simply open up our history books. Uh, and so they're, they're just perpetuating what they've done. And, and by the way, they're the party of the KKK. Uh, so, so what can I tell you? They have not changed the stripes. They say that, 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 a, that a zebra or a leopard doesn't change its spots, and they have not. Well, and you know, I mean, let's, let's, let's bring this current, uh, from the KKK, which of course has pretty much been long disbanded unless it's really being conducted in really, really, you know, underground circles. Uh, yeah. but, but, but let's bring this current. The, the Democratic nominee for president has, has disparaged black people so much so that he literally said, if you don't support him, you're not really black. And then he said, unlike African Americans, Latinos have a various, uh, you know, have a diverse uh, set of ideas and 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 attitudes. In other words, you know, it's it's an extraordinary slur to say that all black people look alike. But what Joe Biden said is all black people think alike. Think that alike. is just yeah. as much of a slur, in my opinion. Yeah. That is such a a stereotyping and generalization that that should be an insult to every black American. Well, it should be, and I think his bigotry and racism is on display. 
And let's not forget his championing the 1994 crime bill signed by President Clinton uh, that disproportionately locked up black people all across this country. Let's not forget about his support for busing, as Kamala Harris so nicely reminded him of. Uh, I think she's still waiting for her public apology. Uh, let's not forget about when he uh, was campaigning against uh, uh, Mitt Romney uh, and said that uh, the Republican Party is going to put the black folks back in chains as if they did that so in the beginning uh, of slavery. I mean, so he continues to, to show who he is. Uh, and I got, I got to tell you, every time he opens his mouth, he just can't help it because it's, uh, yeah. it's in his heart. It's in well, his even, heart. Even, even when President Obama won the uh, nomination and then he, uh, you know, he became his running mate uh, back in 2008, you know, he declared, well, here's this guy, you know, the first clean and articulate black guy to come along. Uh, it's really an amazing thing. He, he, again, is it such an outlier to see somebody who's black, who's clean and articulate, that he has to yeah. point out this guy is unusual? I mean, all of those little cues are just, yeah. you know, hints of, of his, his his racism. And then the last thing I'll ask you about, Pastor Little, is if he had the solution for what he calls systemic racism, why did he sit on it for eight full years? Why didn't he, why didn't he whisper into Barack Obama's ear, hey, here's what we can do to, to, to help uh, unify the races in this country? Suddenly, he came up with the idea now that he's running for president. Well, it, it, it's a complete farce, and let's not forget about all the years in the Senate. Uh, he's been around Washington, D.C., in the swamp for 47 years. Uh, eight of those uh, as vice president. He's got no answers. Uh, I think that is clear. Uh, but the answers that he does have for America uh, is a $4 trillion uh, tax raise. Uh, uh, he's got a $100 trillion new Green Deal for us on the horizon. Uh, he, he's got a lot of stuff. He's got killing babies in the uh, late term, uh, along with uh, 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 Kamala Harris. Uh, he's got federally funding Planned Parenthood which disproportionately kills black babies in the womb. Mm -hmm. uh, he's got a lot of goodies for black America, that's for sure, and for America in general. And not all good, and, and most of it bad, in fact. Well, uh, I can only hope that what you uh, surmised at the beginning of our conversation comes to fruition. I've seen his approval rating among black Americans prior to the George Floyd situation and prior to the pandemic. His approval rating in some national polls was over 40%. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to get 40% of the vote. But the, but the job that he has done, primarily because of the things that you and I talked about, was extraordinarily high. Even now, it is much higher than any other uh, Republican president leading into an election like this one. So, like you yeah. said, if he can pull 12, 13, 14, 15 percent of the vote rather than the standard standard seven or eight uh, yeah. percent that uh, most Republican presidents get, then uh, then I think we're going to be in good shape. I believe they showed him an additional nine points for African-Americans coming out of the convention. Yep. And I think it's only going to grow as uh, people are now paying attention, as you know, after Labor Day is when people start paying attention. And it's showing up, and I think he's going to do far better than where he stands today with the black community. Well, you know what, Pastor, a little before you go, since you brought up the convention, um, it was obviously extraordinary, extraordinarily diverse. And it wasn't, you know, celebrities. I mean, yeah, there was a couple of people like a college football Hall of Famer, Herschel Walker, and, 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 and people like that. But it was mostly ordinary Americans, especially the minorities that were brought up, to talk about how grateful they are to President Trump for what he's done. And and do you have a comment on what was said on MSNBC in response to that long list of black oh, speakers? Yeah. They described mm -hmm. it as a minstrel show. Again, yeah. one of the most extraordinarily insulting things you can say is you're not real black people. You are white people wearing blackface because that's the only reason you would get up there and support President Trump. Well, look, it's terribly insulting, and as a uh, conservative Republican myself, I'm 
I'm used to those invectives, and the reality is uh, uh, Americans who watched that convention saw uh, the rainbow of what America is. Uh, Americans have eyes and ears, and the truth of the matter is is that no one's watching CNN. Uh, fewer are watching MSNBC, and that's for a reason. Uh, the fact that they could call a Jack Brewer, a Herschel Walker, a Ben Carson, a part of a minstrel show, uh, just really uh, pulls the covers off of who they are, how very shallow they are, and by the way, how very scared they are. That's the truth of the matter. Uh, and, and we're going to make this country great again. We're going to make this country safe again. And that is their worst nightmare. Pastor Mark Little, uh, uh, Black Voices for Trump and the Chairman of Cure, thank you so much for the great work that you are doing, and thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Bob. God bless. Uh, that's Pastor Mark Little joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll take a time out. Got time for a call, maybe two, before the top of the hour. Get in now on AM 1420, The Answer. Six nine fifty six. We continue on AM 1420, The Answer. I want to get a uh, phone call in here before the top of the hour. By the way, after the top of the hour, we're going to get a lot more uh, in-depth, if you will, on the shooting of the Cleveland police officer, Detective James Skernovitz, who was killed last night along with one other man in his uh, car. Uh, one arrest has been made, we are told. One arrest has been made already, and they are questioning several other uh, individuals. We won't call them suspects yet, but uh, that is where we are. Gary Wolski is the president of the Ohio FOP, Fraternal Order of Police, and he will be joining us. He was going to join us just to talk about what's going on in Chardon with the thin blue line flag, and we will discuss that, but now we will, of course, also talk about this uh, killing of a police officer in Cleveland last night. Let me go to uh, Cleveland now and Fred on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Fred. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. Uh, good day to you. I uh, have an observation that... Uh this election is already over. I think the minority vote between the blacks and the Hispanics is already strong for Trump. And the, as history has shown, the Democrats need full support of the minorities in order to win. And I could even see Trump winning in California, maybe even New York. Uh, the tides are turning. No. And I think uh, now they're not they're not turning the next- that much. They're not turning that much. Yeah, no. <laughs> California yeah. In, in New York are fifteen to twenty point wins for Biden. Uh, I, I mean, you know, it's the most populous state, and and a very tiny percentage of them are conservative Republicans. And even if a certain percentage of blacks uh, decide to go for Trump in some states like that, it's not going to be nearly enough to to turn the tide there. But I do agree with you, um, uh, Fred, and I and I like the optimism that he you know is going to carry a significant number higher um, than previous Republican candidates have among minorities, blacks and Hispanics. I do think he will do that. But the question is, is will those be in the right places? We all know this, this election, like the one in 2016, is going to come down to a few battleground states. And, um, and whether you get the right states with the right number of electoral votes. That's why it ended up as a, uh, an electoral landslide for the president, but a popular vote loss. He won the right number of votes in the right number of places. And so the real key here is how many of the black and Hispanic votes and the increase that he's going to get there over the last time are going to be in those swing states. And, uh, that's what we have to, that's where we have to vote, uh, hope for election integrity too, right? You know, because the mail-in balloting done in certain states, I think, is going to lead to chaos because that can be manipulated and cheated so easily. 
agreed. You still there, Fred? Okay. Yeah, I'm still here. I think that over the next three or four weeks, we are going to see Biden and Harris completely implode. Every time they get in front of the camera, the Trump picks up more votes. And by election day, I think they're going to be a laughing stock. And we'll know by midnight on election night that Trump has won. There'll be no confusion. I f- and, and, and here's the thing. Thank you for the call, Fred. My fear is that we'll know by midnight on that night that Trump has won, but that we will find out three weeks later, hey, we just finished counting, uh, counting the mail-in ballots. All of them were postmarked in time, but we couldn't count them all in time. And uh, look at that. See, turns out Joe Biden won Michigan and Joe Biden won Wisconsin and Joe Biden won Pennsylvania after all. Uh, so it's going to be President Biden. That's my fear is that the actual vote that we get on election night will not be the one uh, that they count. Okay, uh, thanks for that call. We'll get a timeout now. We're going to talk more about what happened last night in Cleveland, the horrific shooting of a Cleveland police officer who has uh, given his life, uh, and also about support for police officers in uh, Northeast Ohio schools, particularly what happened in Chardon. Gary Wolski of the Ohio FOP will join us next.